Stewart of Brock and Salk on Seattle Sports 710, our sister station in Seattle, joins us courtesy of Elite Sportsbook. Good morning, Brock. What's up, lovers? <sighs> Brock, you know, things are good. Oh, behave. Yeah, oh, behave. <laughs> things are good. Um... You know, we're just no, kind of one. You're gritting your teeth. Why are you gritting your teeth this morning? <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just like at, at some point, don't you have to choose which coach you want and go after a guy? Like, like how long is this process going to take? And if Sean Payton's your guy, shouldn't you just be out there, you know, I guess cutting a deal with Sean Payton? What, what's well, happening? Is he? I mean, I don't know. Is he the guy? I, I, here, here's a good. Let me give you, a, I guess, a little good news, bad news. All right, okay. here's the good news, or, or let me spin it in a good way. This is how good organizations are run. This, instead of the the leaky world that y'all have lived in, and you know, Dmax uh, got his little sources, and and Cliss got his sources, and and you're getting all the news and all the scuttlebutt, and all, all and all the juice. Like this is how actually very well run businesses and the best organizations are run, and it's bothered us in Seattle for a lot of years because we don't know until things happen. Until either Schefter makes it official or our buddy there at Fox makes it official. And it, you just don't, even with the Russell Wilson trade last year, the late great John Clayton, the Hall of Famer, you know, was adamant that, oh, this is not going to get traded. This is all nonsense. It's not going to get traded. And he gets traded. Even John, as close as he was to the organization, they didn't let anybody know. Don't let anybody in. And so that's the way I could spin this positive is this is how the best run organizations. And I think if you were to go to Pittsburgh and in places, Mark perennially that, that you cover that are the best of the best, this is typically how they operate. And so that's the positive side. I think it's taking some time because Harbaugh was our guy. Uh, this is not from the team side of it. It's from uh, the other side of it. A pretty good account that this job was his if he wanted it. And he, he deliberated and ultimately just picked the kids and the student-athletes, the young men there, that all came to school for him over this job in Denver, which was a surprise to me, especially because he flirted the year before and by all accounts was ready to go to Minnesota but not offered the job. This job was his, and ultimately he said no. So I think that they've had to reboot and are making sure they've got every single duck in a row. Feels like we've been hearing a lot of backlash to the the idea of Sean Payton coming here. What is what is your view from afar of Payton here? Is he what the Broncos need now that Harbaugh seems to be out of the mix? Although I wouldn't completely close the door on Harbaugh. There's still a lot right. of stuff floating around there yeah. in Michigan. But let's let's just put Harbaugh aside. Is Payton what the Broncos need. Okay, let me address what you said first. I think a lot of people are like, ah, this is not the right fit. And it's not the right fit because he had Drew Brees for decades, largely. And Drew Brees' game and Russell Wilson's game are not the same game. So that is where I think at the 30,000-foot level and at the basic level, people or fanatics start to say, yeah, I'm not comfortable with this. An offensive-minded guy, everything's out of the shotgun, you know, and look what he did with Drew and all his success came with Drew. But then you got to peel it back a little bit, and I think Stink has done a nice job of this as an analyst who knows Sean Payton, who knows football, and has actually watched him innovate and work with Teddy Bridgewater and work with Taysom Hill. And I, I don't know, that guy in Detroit, who likes to bite kneecaps and break legs and have live tigers at practice? Who, who, who does or lions at practice? Who does that guy give all the credit to consistently? Who does he say he learned the most from? Sean Payton and how to be aggressive and how to innovate. So uh, Sean Payton knows knows his ball. 
I, I, I think the only reservation may be, do you want somebody younger and hungrier? Is that is that a fair critique from a, from a fan and a fanatic standpoint, Mark? You know, I mean, yeah. you know the guy better than any of us talking about it is, you know, I, it feels like he's been there and done it. And he's kind of flirting with all these places and he has all these jobs. Does he have enough juice to do this again? Does he have enough... I don't know. Does he have enough want to to be a 40-something? I know my energy at 47 is different than it was at 37 and different than it was at 27. You know, is is he in an age and a stage where he's going to be the guy to, to really do this leading forward? Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think obviously that's a fair question. I think the other question I, uh, for you is, we have seen here in Denver so many first time head coaches, be it young guys, be it older guys, whatever the case may be, just absolutely fail. Like, I mean, just tremendous failures, um, throughout their, you know, throughout getting they don't promoted. Know who they really are. Yeah. And, and so that's that one of my big issues, one of my big issues, and I say this all the time, you got to have a guy that has authenticity, a guy that number one brings a little fear into the building. But is who he is. Like, and, and there is no question about that because players, like the BS meter for players is is I mean on point. They they know when a dude is not real, and they can smell that in a, in, in a second. And that's one of the reasons I, I look at these first time head coaches. I get a little bit leery of guys who've never done it before. Uh, I would I would tend to agree with that. It's probably the one thing Salk and I have learned from Pete over 13 years of sitting down with him is we certainly enjoy all of the on-air banter, but it's what we've chatted about at times off the air with him. And he's been gracious of, of just how much he had to learn. And he was a first time head coach in New York that flopped and failed and was fired after a year with the jets. And then went to new England and, and learned that, gosh, I really got to work with people and I got to be aligned with the, with the right guy and leadership around me at the GM level and everything else. It's not just about the coaching and, and had, you know, a real reflection point when he went to USC and, and, and had to figure out this is exactly how I'm going to do it. And I'm going to have the, this kind of conviction moving forward. And I am not going to just blow in the wind and go back and forth. And, and from USC to Seattle, it's been a pretty good run for 20 something years. But that's the one thing that he's said when we've asked him about other young coaches that have come into this league is yeah there's a no substitute for experience and b you better just truly know everything you're about you better have a conviction that's unwavering in a league that will devour you and if any market knows that as you said about first-time head coaches it's this market here in denver you being a, a, a an nfc west guy you know san francisco very well what's your uh, view of D'Amico ryan's seems to be very very sharp and those guys love to play, man. I mean, that's what you can't fake either, right? If, if, if players on their side can smell out a phony and, and figure that out pretty quickly, I think on the flip side, you judge a, a, a coach's response or, or, how, or a buy-in from how relentless and ferocious his guys play and lay it on the line. And this is not just in the divisional round of the playoffs. It's week three. It's week seven. It's week 14. It's, it's throughout the course of the season that those guys play with their hair on fire. And that is a, it's a heck of a testament to, to that coach. And I'll say the fact that he's turned down a, a few interviews, <laughs> it's pretty, it's got, Pretty large stones, too. I mean, you know, he's not just willing to, you know, willy-nilly, let me jump in here and let me just take this job. He's smart enough to analyze. He was a phenomenal player himself. And to look at the different situations and go, yeah, not, not going to even interview and waste my time in Arizona. 
I know what I want, and when that right door opens, and if it does open, then I'll go through. But, Mike, the way his guys play for him is there's just no debate about that. Hey, Brock, let me ask you real quick. You've done the college game for a long time. Um, you're great. You're a great analyst, and you've done a bunch of games. I'm on David Shaw. Like that's mm-hmm. that seems to be a name here in Denver that a lot of people have have heard and seems to have a lot of uh, uh, just a lot of pull here locally and and ownership. You know, they're all got Stanford ties. What about David Shaw? What can you tell us about him that we don't know? Sharp. What can I tell you? You don't know. Uh, sharp, loyal. Uh, his his staff and his coaches and his players love playing for him. Uh, hampered immensely when when the game changed, when the rules changed, when there was an inability to be calloused and be violent, which was kind of at his nature and at his core, and what he learned from from Jim and what he learned in his years in the NFL, and you wouldn't see many more violent teams than his teams there at Stanford that he inherited from Jim, but he kept that rolling. And then, Mark, when they took away the opportunity to have two-a-days and pads and took away training camp and took away just, you know, and we had candid conversations about this, just the the mentality that got stripped when you could no longer practice in that way and in that vein. It, It You can look at the direct rule changes in college football and the direct success and then failure of Stanford. It's a pretty clear linear line. So he he wants to run the ball. He wants to be a physical guy. Um, was unable to do that, and certainly then the NIL world, the transfer world, the recruiting world made it very, very difficult there for him to do his job. So you got to peel that onion back two or three layers to fully understand the scope of why the struggle was there. But as far as a, a tough guy that knows the game, smart, innovative, if not a head coach, I wouldn't mind to see him as a coordinator in the NFL. But obviously, uh, I think he strives and drives to be a head man in the league. All right, Brock, man, we appreciate Thanks for all the insight. Take care, buddy. Have a great day. You got day. it, boys. See you. There he goes, Brock Heward of Brock and Salk on Seattle Sports 710, our sister station in Seattle. Join us courtesy of Elite Sportsbook.